You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts. Everywhere you get to those podcasts, we are there. Um... Great podcast yesterday. Really, really fun. Another one today. I got to start with my fantasy draft. I had a fantasy draft last night with my buddies. Did okay. I actually did pretty pretty darn good for the first few rounds. Tapered off a little bit towards the end. Uh, I would I would argue my squad is slightly slightly above the middle of the pack. There's ten teams. I'd say my overall squad's probably around the fourth best. But um, my my big dogs I got were Alvin Kamara and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I also got Nick Chubb and Terry McLaurin on my Washington football team. Picked up Jameis Winston as my quarterback. Got him for a buck towards the end. I'm going to start him. I think Jameis is due for a big fantasy year. I think he's going to cut way back on his interceptions. And I think his yardage and his touchdowns are going to be high like they were before. So kind of excited about that. Um, But yeah, I picked up Justin Fields too. I think Justin Fields will be the starter. I talked about this yesterday. I think it's just a matter of time before he's the starter. So I did pick him up. I also picked up Joe Burrow. I just offered Joe Burrow to uh, a friend of mine in the league, along with um, Brandon Cooks, a receiver. I offered both of them, Joe Burrow and Brandon Cooks, in exchange for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is, of course, the backup to uh, Nick Chubb in Cleveland. And so I wanted to make sure I had the handcuff there because Kareem Hunt can ball. He's going to get some carries, and if there's ever an injury to a stud running back or workhorse, you want to have that backup. So that's my fantasy draft. I'll keep you posted on that. I'm so excited for NFL season to start. Um, I'll probably do early next week, do some of my uh, predictions and whatnot for the coming season. Um, Right now, by the way, I want to look up the lines for the NFL. Odds to win the Super Bowl to see what it is as we get into this first week. So the odds to win the Super Bowl are currently, um, it's updating as we speak. Give it a second here. There we go. Chiefs and Bucks are at the very top. Chiefs number one, Bucks number two, Bills, Packers. Not much change there. 49ers is kind of a surprise. 49ers. And then the Rams. They pick up Matthew Stafford, climb the ranks quite a bit there. So something to keep an eye on. And while I'm at it in here, I'm going to look up the odds to win the MVP. The NFL MVP. What are they saying who has the most likely... They're saying Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford. Stop me when I get to a non-quarterback. Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, my guy. Deshaun Watson. What? The guy's going to be in jail? Maybe. (laughs) Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, then Derrick Henry. We had to go through like 20 quarterbacks to get to one player who's not a quarterback for MVP. Obviously, uh, the MVP is a very, it's very appropriate that it would be a a quarterback because the quarterback's the most important position in all of sports. It's the most difficult position in all of sports. So it should be an MVP. It's almost like they should have like the best MVP or the best quarterback of the NFL award. And then they should have the best non-quarterback. They should have two MVPs because it's always going to be a quarterback. 
Um, of course, they do have Defensive Player of the Year, but it'd be cool if they did do um, you know a separate award because it's just always a quarterback. By the way, in real time, as we speak, I just offered up my... Uh, I just told you I just offered Joe Burrow and Brandon Cooks in exchange for Kareem Hunt. Um, and he's declining that. Yeah, and he says, plus he's my lottery ticket if Chubb goes limp. Yeah, I knew it. Um, anyway, so I'm not going to get that trade. He doesn't have a backup quarterback, though. Mistake. I'll hit him up after this. Okay, moving on to the NBA. Uh, preseason starts. We're going to come back to the NFL a little bit, but preseason starts October 3rd. That's a month from tomorrow. One month from tomorrow, NBA preseason starts up. That flew by. This offseason was short. Regular season is October 19th. We start with the Nets versus the Bucks and the Warriors versus the Lakers. Couldn't be more excited for that. Fall time is like the best time for sports. We have football and full swing, college football, NFL, and then the NBA starts up, and it's just like heaven on earth, just sports galore. So we're going to do tons of podcasts during that time. I'm very excited. Big news for the Brooklyn Nets. Big, big news for the Brooklyn Nets. Yesterday, two huge things happened for them. One, they signed Paul Millsap, a very solid veteran backup power forward. He's kind of undersized, but he plays bigger than he is, and he, he the guy can play. He can shoot. He can defend. He can rebound. He puts in massive amounts of effort, um, been with the Nuggets, had played well, signs as a free agent, with the Brooklyn Nets, Paul Millsap, huge pickup for the Brooklyn Nets. On top of that, LaMarcus Aldridge, who very abruptly retired last year, he goes through a ton of health testing, clears all of his tests. Thank goodness. He had uh, some issues last year. I think it was with his heart or his lungs. I can't remember now. I'm, I'm kind of spacing it. But it was a very, very significant uh, health issue. Clears all of his medical tests. And he is now cleared to play. He is rejoining the Brooklyn Nets, most likely. It's not set in stone, but he will. Uh, there's a good chance they're going to waive DeAndre Jordan, in my opinion. At this point, they've got LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap. I don't know that you need DeAndre Jordan. He didn't even play much last year. I could see them waving him. We'll see. But right now, that roster, they added Patty, Mill, uh, Patty Mills this offseason as well. So they have their big three in Kevin Durant. James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Then after that, you've got your next kind of tier of players for them with Joe Harris, lights out shooter, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Patty Mills. Okay, now you're seven deep of studs. Then you go Paul Millsap, DeAndre Jordan, if they keep him. You're looking at eight or nine guys that are very, very talented guys, all-star level players, eight or nine deep. Not all of them are all-star level this year, but they have been in their careers. They have that in them. This team is for sure the favorites. Um, in fact, as long as we're talking Vegas odds, um, the Vegas odds for NBA Finals, yeah. Nets are the favorites by quite a bit. Lakers after that. Then the Bucks, Warriors, Jazz, Suns. I'm very, very confused by this Warriors thing. Like, what do they know that we don't? I get it. Clay Thompson's back. I get it. Steph Curry's really good. Uh, I get it. They won 73 or 5 or whatever games it was. Um 73 games with, um, you know, that same lineup, Draymond Green. But Draymond's not what he used to be. And the, these other teams are getting so much better. The Clippers are significantly better. The Jazz are significantly better. The Lakers and Nets are significantly better. The Bucks are significantly better. There's so many teams that have gotten so much better over the last few years. I just don't see how you can possibly put the Warriors 
They're putting the Warriors as the second best team in the West, ahead of the Jazz, ahead of the Suns, ahead of the Nuggets. What? What? Ahead of the Clippers. Well, the Clippers are going to be lower this year because Kawhi's not going to play. But what do they know that we don't? Like, why the Warriors? I just don't get it. I don't see the Warriors as the fourth best team in the league at all. Certainly not the second best team in the West. Not not ahead of the Jazz and the Suns. I don't know. Clay Thompson's a stud. I've talked about how I think Clay Thompson is one of the most underrated players ever. But I I think that's too high of a ranking uh, in in the sports book for the Warriors. So if you're big on Jazz or Suns or Sixers, they're pretty low right now. Nuggets are really low. Maybe go put some money down there. Um, okay, so another thing with the Nets, by the way, that I wanted to throw in here and I forgot. So they've got, of course, this massive lineup we just talked about. Um, and they get LaMarcus Aldridge back, most likely. And uh, But I mentioned yesterday that the home games for the Warriors, Knicks, and Nets, because of the the mandates or the protocol within the cities, right? So the state of New York, the city of New York, and then the city of San Francisco, they have very strict COVID protocols, which means the the players on those teams will not be able to play in their own home games if they are not vaccinated, okay? I think it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. Now, I mentioned yesterday how not getting vaccinated is costing people jobs in the sports world. It's being forced upon them like never before. You're seeing guys lose their jobs in the NFL, getting waived and cut because if they're equal with another player who is vaccinated, it's like, well, let's take the vaccinated guy because if you end up having some sort of an issue during the season and you're not vaccinated, you could cost your team a game. So it's just not worth it, right? So the NFL is kind of forcing it as well. Cam Newton very likely lost his job because of this. You're seeing other players. Uh, Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, openly saying, yes, it's been a huge thing on our mind as we're getting down to our 53-man roster. Are you vaccinated or are you not? Well, now going to baseball. So we've seen it affect the the NBA. We've seen it affect the NFL. Now in Major League Baseball, uh, John Smoltz and Al Leiter um, for MLB Network, of course, they're former players working for MLB Network and the broadcast booth. They are not going to get vaccinated. They're refusing to get vaccinated and they will now no longer be invited or allowed to work in studio. They will not appear in studio for MLB Network. They can only work remote. Um, I don't know what that means. They're going to work from home. They're going to have like in-home studios. I don't know what it means, but this is this is getting kind of crazy to me how much it's being forced upon people. Again, I don't want to get political, but I'm just showing you how it's affecting the sports world. Um, I see both sides of the thing. I do think it should be uh, you know, an individual choice because if it's a vaccine, it's like let people protect themselves. Um, but it's affecting the sports world big time. And that is now we've seen it affect three majors, the three major sports within the U S. So I wanted to make mention of that. Okay. Back to the NFL real quick. Um, oh, actually, before I get to this, there was one more note I had here. So we talked about the title odds just now and you know, the jazz being lower, that's all based on people staying healthy. Right. And usually at least one or two of the best three, four teams does stay fully healthy and they win the title. But last year we saw the top teams all go down with injury and everything got turned around. And the Bucks, who I would say probably were still like the third or fourth best team, they win the title. But it felt like it should have been Clippers maybe, Lakers maybe, Nets most likely. Those felt like the top three teams. Um, I would even argue the Jazz fourth. And then maybe you're putting the Bucks really fifth if you think about it. And they end up winning the title. Why? Because they stayed fully healthy. The Jazz had injuries um, in the playoffs with both Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. 
Obviously, the Nets had major injuries with James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant all battling different injuries. The Nets were without, or excuse me, the Lakers were without Anthony Davis. The Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard. So you go through those top four teams. The the Nuggets, if you want to throw them in there, is better than the the, the Bucks as well. They were without um, Jamal Murray. So Embiid, where the 76ers had some injuries. There were so many teams. So the Bucks were the beneficiary. They stayed healthy. They were very talented, very deserving champion. Um, but would they have won had everybody stayed healthy? I would say no, no chance. Same thing with the uh, that team that I've talked about a couple times before with the um, the Warriors get, uh, losing Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and the Raptors get the title. So it happens, and it, it just sucks when you think about last year for the Jazz. They had that chance. They couldn't stay healthy. We'll see what they can do this year. I like what they're doing. Dwayne Wade um, and Ryan Smith just posted some Instagram stuff. They're in Paris together hanging out. I love that. It's just good PR for the Jazz. It makes players want to be here. Um, Dwayne Wade's posting just a couple of Utah Jazz owners you know, out on the town in Paris, and it's like he's repping the Utah Jazz. I mean, this is, this, this is no different than when a player puts on a Nike shirt or a Reebok pair of shoes or an Adidas, whatever. They start to rep a brand, and the brand becomes cool. It becomes popular. And Dwayne Wade is doing that for the Utah Jazz. So I like it. Hopefully we can keep guys here. Um, but anyway, just wanted to make mention of that with the title odds and injuries and all that stuff. Because the Jazz are right there knocking on the door, but they're gonna. it's going to take other teams getting injured. There's no chance we beat a healthy Nets team. No chance we beat a healthy Lakers team. Uh, we went through their stacked lineup yesterday. We just went through the Nets stacked lineup. Those teams are on a collision course again uh, for the NBA Finals. And it's just going to be who stays healthy. And if neither one of them does, then it's up for grabs again. And the Jazz will be right there at the top of the order uh, to try and snag a championship. But it's only going to be if two teams battle significant injuries, the Lakers and the Nets. Okay, moving on. Um, Asante Samuel, former uh, cornerback for the New England Patriots, um, he, uh, he said without Brady... Bill Belichick is just another coach. He said that on Twitter. Without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is just another coach. Shots fired. Shots fired. Clearly, a lot of guys don't love Bill Belichick, and I think a lot of guys do love him. He's He wins titles. But without Tom Brady, he really hasn't done much. He had a losing record with the Browns before he went to New England. He had a losing record with Drew Bledsoe, even though Drew Bledsoe was really good. I think he had one winning season. And then Tom Brady comes along, and they reel off 20 straight win, twenty straight winning seasons. They lose Tom Brady, and last year they were totally mediocre again. So, so far, that's a very easy, true statement. Like, so far, it's easy to point and say, yeah, honestly, without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick hasn't done anything. And then now Tom Brady can say, I got a Super Bowl at age 43 or whatever it was without Bill Belichick. So Tom Brady already won that divorce big time, but is Bill Belichick just another coach without Tom Brady? No, he's not. We saw him go. We saw Tom Brady go down. Uh, Matt Castle came in, played really well. They go eleven and five. We saw uh, Jacoby Brissett come in and play really well uh, when Tom Brady, you know, was out. We saw. I'm trying to think of the other player, but we've seen three or four different quarterbacks come in. You know, when Deflategate happened and there were suspensions, we've seen other guys come in and play well and the Patriots continue to win. He has a fantastic system. Um, Tom Brady, I would say, of the two, is the more important of the two. 
for those title runs, for those winning seasons, for that leadership. And I think last year showed that. Uh, people want to play with Tom Brady. Top talent wants to go be with Tom Brady. They're willing to take less money to be with Tom Brady. And I don't know that that's quite to the level it is, uh, with Bill Belichick as it is with Tom Brady. I think there's an element to it. But really, Bill Belichick, he's kind of like this mastermind where he can just he can just find guys that have real value that aren't name brands. I, you know, I think about guys like Bill Belichick when I'm doing my fantasy draft and I'm trying to think, who can give me the most value that none of these other guys in my league are looking to get? And I can spend a lot less to get them or I can pick them lower in the draft, you know, whatever it might be. We did an auction draft, so it was, you know, with money. But Bill Belichick's really, really good at that. He's really good at finding, um, yeah, I mean, look what he just did with uh, with Mac Jones. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does with Mac Jones. There were four quarterbacks taken before Mac Jones, but a lot of guys said that Mac Jones was the best quarterback in the draft. And then somehow it all shifted. You know, he's not, he certainly isn't as, in, in as good a shape. He's not as athletic as the others taken before him, not as flashy. Maybe he doesn't fit the same, maybe doesn't fit the trend that the NFL is going with the Patrick Mahomes uh, style of play where it's you want to have a more athletic quarterback. Um, he doesn't fit that, but Bill Belichick doesn't care. He wants another. He wants Tom Brady 2.0. Uh, but he finds guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and he makes them talented. You know, he finds guys at every position where they're kind of being overlooked. They've been, you know, yeah, they've been overlooked, and he finds them and he grooms them and he makes them into into stud players. So, so Bill Belichick is not just another coach. But of the two, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I don't think there's any question that Tom Brady is the more important of the two. And the fact that he's able to win another Super Bowl without him, without Bill Belichick, at age 43, to do it, to have been able to do it with Bill Belichick would have been one thing. But to do it without him, it's just like in his first season, that was next level stuff, next level stuff. So, um, okay, last thing, well, there's a few actually things I want to talk about. They're all kind of interconnected, though. One is, I saw this debate on Instagram. I love these debates. And you may, may have seen this clip going around. I don't know why it's going around now. Obviously, Kobe Bryant has long passed uh, more than a year ago now. But there's a clip of him. I think he's on Jimmy Kimmel. And he talks about how competitive Jordan was and how Jordan had said to him, hey, look, your peak year versus my peak year, I would have kicked your butt, right? And, you know, Kobe jokes back, hey, Mike, just enjoy your salad, you know? Like, let's just not do this right now. And, you know, I'm obviously a huge Michael Jordan fan. I do think that at Jordan's peak, uh, he was better than Kobe at his peak. But one-on-one, it would be interesting because Kobe Bryant had that 81-point game, which I've gone on record many times saying is the greatest single score, single performance scoring performance in the history of the league. Greater and more significant than the 100-point game that Wilt Chamberlain have had. Kobe Bryant to score 81 points in today's age of basketball with the level of athleticism that he's up against, uh, the position that he plays, that was something else. But the stats, um, and for those on uh, YouTube, I'll put this up on the screen, but um, Jordan's 90-91 stats, that's, that's Jordan's peak year according to him on this dinner conversation. I would argue Jordan had other years that were maybe even a little bit better. But Jordan's peak year according to him was 1991, his first title over the Lakers. He averaged 31.5 points per game. Six rebounds per game, five and a half assists, 2.7 steals, one block, shot 54% from the field, 31% from three. Three point shooting was not his thing. Kobe, Kobe's peak year, 
probably was 2005, 2006. He, ha- he averaged more points at 35.4, but then fewer rebounds, fewer assists, 5.3 and 4.5, fewer steals, 1.8, fewer blocks, shot a lower percentage by quite a bit, 9% lower from the field, uh, 3% higher from three. So who was the better player? I mean, Jordan was. Jordan was the better defender. He's the better scorer. He's better, I would argue, at every single facet of the game except three-point shooting, and even that, it was like neck and neck. Kobe was a good three-point shooter. Jordan was an average one. Neither one of them was great. Um, so I would say that their peaks, I'm still taking Jordan. There's a one-inch height difference. Kobe's got Jordan by like one inch, six seven to six six. Their games are very similar, but Kobe really was just Jordan 2.0. He, he copied all of Jordan's moves, so nobody knew those moves better than Jordan himself. At Jordan's peak, I would say he was slightly more athletic. You could argue it either way. They're both freakishly athletic, obviously. But I would say at Jordan's peak, he was slightly more athletic. Um, and again, better defender, shot a higher percentage, and he's the one creating all of the things that Kobe's just mimicking. So I would give the edge to Michael Jordan. Okay, in this same vein... There was another thing. The Chicago Bulls put this out on their Twitter. Again, I love this offseason stuff where you just get to talk about random debates that could never happen. But it says you're offered $5 million to score against Michael Jordan in one-on-one. You're given 10 chances. This is against Prime MJ. If you fail, you won't be able to hear music ever again. So that's the punishment if you fail. But if you do score in 10 chances, you get $5 bucks. If you don't score in 10 chances, you can never hear music again. Would you lace up? And you got all sorts of people saying they would. Most people, especially those with brains, saying they would not. I'm telling you right now, the average person commenting on this Instagram post, which was you know several days ago now, they wouldn't even get a shot off against Prime MJ. He's bigger, faster, stronger, longer wingspan, more agile, knows the game better. If he really wanted to defend these average Instagram, you know, uh, I'm just noticing here that J.R. Smith said, sign me up. <laughs> J.R. Smith, he would get one. J.R. Smith, he could get a bucket in 10 tries against Prime MJ. The rest of us, regular people commenting, we would not even get a shot off. I've had this argument with my friends over and over again. You know, we'll have the debate. Is it easier to, you know, score in the NBA against NBA defenders or get a hit in Major League Baseball? Uh, I think both would be near impossible. Scoring in the NBA would probably be the easier of the two because it's in a full game of five on five. Maybe you can get forgotten. But in this particular instance where it's one-on-one and MJ knows that five million bucks is on the line, you probably would not get a shot off. Like legitimately, I think in 10 chances, you'd either have the ball stolen from you or your shot blocked all 10 times. Now, if it's 10 possessions and you can keep getting the blocks, if he keeps blocking your shot and you're able to get it back, yeah, maybe, maybe then you end up getting 12, 13 shots off and you can do a, a hook shot. Your only chance would be a hook shot. You'd have to do a freaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook. That's the only chance you're not getting blocked. And could you make one of 10 of those from 20 feet out? Because that's about as close to the hoop as you're going to be able to get. Maybe you start backing him down and get as close as you can and do a sky hook. Even then, there's a chance he blocks it. He's six foot six and can jump out of the gym and has instincts that you don't have. So the average six foot guy that's on here saying I'd do it, you you better 
not like music very much because you're not gonna be able to hear music for the rest of your life <laughs> it would be very tempting though wouldn't that be tempting five million bucks if you can score on him and you get 10 chances like and i played basketball in high school basketball is kind of my sport and so it'd be very tempting i'm like ah 10 chair eyes i could get i can shoot 10 percent against mj but then you start to think about it you're like no you'd really have to get lucky like could i can i shoot 10 percent on like lucky wild chuck it up shots because that's what you're really going for you're not going to get a solid shot. Maybe you get lucky with a pump fake. You know, maybe you get lucky with a pump fake and get a, a split second open look. Even then, his re- his recovery time is going to be something you've never experienced before. You'd probably still get your shot blocked. So, anyway, kind of a funny thing. Um, so, in that same vein, again, I told you these were all interconnected. Brian Scalabrini, um, he did this thing. He's he's 43, and he got sick of people telling him that he sucked on social media. And so he said, look, I suck compared to like LeBron. I suck compared to Kevin Durant. Uh, but compared to you, you suck. You know, like compared to you, I'm I'm LeBron compared to you. That's what he's telling these like haters on social media. He says, I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. And so he goes to like the freaking YMCA or something, goes to some rec league and talks a bunch of smack, plays guys one-on-one. And um, I'm trying to see here the results, but he ended up just dominating. Um, I'm trying to see where it was. He dropped 60 points. There it is. 60 points in his rec league <laughs> at age 43, just to show people like, shut up. Like I didn't, you know, you're, I will single-handedly outscore your other team. So that shows you the gap between NBA players and regular just people. This is in a rec league. He's 43 years old, so he's well past his athletic prime. He's out of shape. He's years outside of his actual NBA regimen and ability, and he still goes to the rec league and scores 60 points. And he was a pretty bad NBA player. Like He was a totally below average, barely got off the bench NBA player, and he dominated regular civilians, if you will. So Prime MJ, you're not getting a shot off because Brian Scalabrini would dominate you. You'd probably get a bucket or two on on you know Scalabrini. You probably if you go to eleven, you know by ones and twos, which I hate ones and twos by the way because a three pointer is not worth double a dunk. Um, it's not worth double a layup. So I don't think ones and twos is the right way to do it. But anyway, say you go to eleven by ones and twos, which is the most common one on one game. You probably you know I I think I could probably get three points against Scalabrini, maybe maybe four or five even because I could probably get a, a shot off from uh, top of the key that he wouldn't block. I think I could also get by him, to be honest with you. He's 43, probably slower than me, probably weighs more than me. But he's going to beat me. He's going to double my score. He's going to beat me 11-4 to four or something like that. Jordan, though, it's 11-zip for sure. Um, all right, that's pretty much all I had today. This is a fun podcast. This is really fun. So what do you think is harder, scoring in the NBA, getting a hit in Major League Baseball? I had a friend once who will remain nameless. Don't want to out him. He legitimately thought he could bat like 200 in the major leagues. And I was like, bro, there are guys that are in the major leagues that can't bat 200 and they don't get cut. Like you would not bat 200 in the major leagues. You would not. 200 is really bad, but you are not. You might be able to make contact with the ball and like put the ball in play two out of 10 times, maybe two out of 10 times up to bat. You could put the ball in play. But it would just be some crappy little grounder that would be an easy out. You are not getting base hits. So that, to me, would be way harder than scoring in the NBA. Because in the NBA, you're going to get an open look at some point. If you know how to shoot a basketball, you can score a bucket. In the majors, you're going to go up against guys throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour 
wicked curves and sliders and sinkers, you're not getting an actual hit. You could make contact. Then, then even if you do make contact, you've got way better fielders than you've ever gone up against. So to me, these debates of like, could you do it? You know, I've played against college players and stuff as in my personal athletic prime. You know, I'm like 23, probably my athletic prime, really loving basketball, trying to make it on BYU's team. And the gap wasn't that great, but but there was definitely a gap. There just was. And when you get a bunch of them, um, you know, a bunch of college guys up against a regular guys, which we had this rec league I played in, where a bunch of former BYU guys that had just been a year or two removed from college, they played against, you know, us really good high school players that thought we were so hot. And they crushed us. I mean, we lost by like 40 points one game to the college players. So that's where it really matters is when it's you against a whole team of major league pitchers and defenders, fielders, come on, you, you, you would not even bat 100. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. The average person probably couldn't even make contact with the ball. You'd be, you get, you'd have three, you get 10 at bats. You're going to get all these fastballs that you've never even thought twice. You've never even thought for a second. Yeah. It would just be something you've never experienced before. Sorry. I'm studying all over the place. It'd be something you've never experienced before. They would whiz right by you, like you couldn't even see them. And then the second you start to try and time it in like your seventh at bat after he's just ripped fastball after fastball past you for strikeout after strikeout, then he hits you with some curve and you're falling down thinking it's going to hit you. I just don't think people, most people would even make contact with the ball. I really don't. Like you could maybe get a foul ball, but like to even put the ball on play would be very difficult. Then to get an actual base hit would be near impossible. So fun debates though. You guys are awesome. Have a fantastic Labor Day weekend. I'm heading to Florida tomorrow. I will not do a podcast on Monday. You'll see me next week though. Uh, you guys are amazing. Please hit that subscribe button. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are